morning. Can you, am I on? Can you hear me? Okay. That was awesome, Therese. Thank you. Wonderful. Very much appreciate you guys, Steve and Therese, when you come up here and lead us in worship. It's, it's very wonderful. Um, let's see. Good morning, everyone. Okay, let me get ready here. Okay, thanks. Appreciate it. So we are at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and I get to take this last little bit upon its Matthew seven, twenty four through twenty nine. Um, I'm going to just try to go through some scriptures and kind of talk about how it applies to our life. Um, So we've seen in here, we've got some pretty strong warnings. Steve just read last week about, depart from me, I never knew you. Like Steve said, that's probably one of the strongest passages. I mean, he said, depart... They come up to him and say, Lord, Lord. And he goes, depart from me, I never knew you. So that's a, that's a pretty strong statement that we do not want to have happen in our lives. And, and we're getting farther down into that in this next section. Um, before I jump in, though, I want to share a little bit of my heart. I know that when I'm up here, I can say some strong things. Um, it might seem kind of like I might not have a lot of mercy or or grace, or whatnot towards things, but but I, I'm up here for, for love of you guys. I'm not up here for me to hear my voice. Um, I'm up here because I care about our salvation. And I came out of a lot of stuff, as we know. Um, everybody's probably pretty much heard a little bit about my story, but I have came out of a lot of bondage. And I didn't come out of that by being lukewarm. I came out of that, I was cold, and then God put me to hot. Because the lukewarm, he says, he'll spew you out of your mouth, his mouth. And so I think that's a, that's a big thing that we've got to recognize is, is what is cold, what is hot, what is lukewarm. Um, you know, it says in the Sermon on the Mount that we'll kind of retouch back onto, it talks about... Um, the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit are not lukewarm. They're destitute in the need of something different. We can't be lukewarm and comfortable and halfway okay. I think I'm doing pretty good. You're not going to be poor in spirit. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. So I think we have to understand what we're, what we're looking at in some of this stuff. I am not a person that likes to speak in front of people. When I had to do that in high school, it was probably the worst thing I had to do in school. I, that was the worst part of schooling was speech. I hated it because <laughs> I don't like to be in front of people to talk. So that is not the reason I'm up here. I'm not up here because I like to hear my voice. I'm up here because I care about you guys and I care about our salvation that God has given us and I care about him. I care about what he's done for us. I care because 
I was in a place that was hurting and in pain. And when I came to church, I would be sitting in church, not coming here. I'm not talking about when I came here. I've, this is before when I'm trying to find my way back. I'd go to church, and I'd be sitting there in church. And halfway through church, I'd go back to the bathroom and do a line because I was hurting, and what I was getting in church wasn't helping me because I can hear all kinds of things, but, but I need something. I needed something strong. I needed something hard. I needed the narrow way of truth to set me free in something that my life was a wreck in. And that's why when you hear me talk, it's not because I'm trying to beat people in the head or thump people with, with things. What I'm telling you is because of the, the care and love for you out of a heart that's been busted up, out of a place that I know bondage. And I care about what God has done for us. And so I share these things because the scripture says, is not my word like a fire, says the Lord? Is not my word like a hammer that smashes rock? And that's what it takes in our lives to break us out of ourselves, out of our comfort, out of our own wills, out of our own wants and desires for our life, is it takes the strength of his word to break that that is on us. So let's, um, we'll jump into Matthew 7.24. But I just want to say that if there's things in us that aren't broken, that aren't crushed in our life, we're going to have problems in this life. We're not going to be guided and walking by his spirit. We're going to be walking in problems. And that's what we're talking about here. That's what he's going to get into, is, is we must be crushed. We either, we either fall on the rock and it, we crush, be crushed, or the rock falls on us and crushes us. We want to fall on that rock, because when the rock crushes you, it's too late. Everybody will be crushed, but you want to fall and crush upon him. We need to do this and see the truth of what this is all saying, because it is freedom and it is what, what God has done. So Matthew 7, 24 through 29. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended all these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So let's just look at that real quick. Uh, tw verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, okay, so... You've probably heard the thing of where it talks about therefore. You see where it says in Scripture, therefore? It's, there, it's saying basically, because of what I just told you, I'm going to tell you this now. So, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. So let's see what some of these things, let's just look back because... Therefore means because of everything I've just told you, 
And if you do them, you're the wise man. So let's just jump back through real quick about where, what are some of those things? Blessed are the poor in spirit. So here's the wise man he's talking about. Here's the recap of basically, he's come to his conclusion. He says, this is the one who builds his house on the rock. The things I've told you, if you do them, that's the wise man. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I'm not going to read them fully. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. See, now, I don't want anybody to, to miss the point of we can't let any of these escape us. He's not saying, you know, if you just kind of do the ones that you kind of just flow in naturally, you're good. No, he's saying all these things that I'm saying, you must be built upon them. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Then he goes in. I'm going to jump through here just saying, we are the salt and light. Light is the revelation, is revealing things of darkness. Christ has fulfilled the law, which means the law has not passed. He fulfilled it. The law of sin and death is still in place. If you sin, you still die. That, pl- that has not gone away. He's fulfilled the law, and he exceeds it. You must exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees and scribes. Murder begins in the heart. It's out of the heart that we have issues. Adultery, out of lust of the eyes, just looking, thinking something in your heart is adultery. Marriage, no divorce. There's no divorce. Don't swear to things, but perform your oaths to God. Let your yeses be yes. Go a second mile. So don't resist an evil person, but go a second mile with him. Love your enemies. That's a big statement. Love your enemies. These are all things that he's saying, therefore, if you do these things, you're building your house. You can't let go of these. Do good to please God. Do it in secret, and he will reward you. He teaches us the model prayer, our Father in heaven. He teaches us fasting. He tells us, lay up treasures in heaven and not on earth. He teaches us the, the lamp of the body is the eye. So how you see and understand is how you're going to be filled with light. Make sure there's no darkness or shadow upon how you think and see clearly or you'll be filled with darkness. Do not worry. Okay, Take that and apply it in every area of your life. Do not worry. Do not judge. Remove the plank from your own eye before you can help somebody else. Do not judge others when you know you have something in your life. Keep asking, seeking, and knocking. Whatever you ask, whatever you want men to do to you, do to them. This is the law and the prophets. The narrow way. There's only one narrow way. By your fruits you will recognize them. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And then... As Steve spoke last week, I never knew you depart from me, you practitioners of lawlessness. And then John 
he tells us also another thing, what lawlessness is, and sin is lawlessness. And then we go to the build on the rock. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, he is the wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. See, it doesn't say that we're not going to come into storms. It says storms are guaranteed even if you're founded on the rock or if you're founded in the sand without a foundation. Regardless, in this life, storms are going to come and hit you. Being in Jesus and founded upon the rock doesn't say your storms will lessen. It has nothing to do with storms not being able to come and hit you. It has everything to do with you seeing that you're being built upon a foundation that is unshakable regardless of the storms coming. That's what he's saying. And he's saying the one who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rains and descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. We're going to jump to Luke 14. So we see that great was the fall of the house for the man who did not do what he was, uh, the sayings of Christ. Moses tells us that there is a one coming after me, and him you must do everything he says, otherwise you'll be utterly cut off. These sayings of just believing in Jesus means something. It means believing in what he said and doing and walking in the ways that he lived. We don't just have a confession. He didn't say, go into all the world and make confessing Christians. He went, go into the world and make disciples, ones who follow Christ. Okay, Luke 14, 13 through 24. But when you host a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed since they cannot repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those reclining with Jesus heard this, he said, Jesus, blessed is everyone who will eat in the feast in the kingdom of God. But Jesus replied, a certain man prepared a great banquet and invited many guests. But when it was time for the banquet, he sent his servant to all those who had been invited. Come, for everything is now ready. But one after another, they all began to make excuses. The first one said, I have bought a field. I need to go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I have married a wife, so I cannot come. The servant returned and reported all this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the city. Bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant replied, what you ordered has been done, and there is still room. So the master told his servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. For I tell you, no one of these men who were invited will taste my banquet. They were too busy to come to the feast. See, we have our, our lives that get in the way of what God has called the things, we, we talked about bearing fruit last couple weeks ago. The part where we can't bear fruit isn't because of sin. Sin never produced, started producing fruit. That plant died. The next plant rises up and it's about to produce fruit, but it gets choked out by its cares and concerns of this world. 
So right here, another thing that it's showing is these guys had too much of their own life. They were wrapped up in what they were doing. They were doing these things. These things were more important to walking with God. They were called to these things. They were called to this, but their life got in the way. They had too much stuff in their life. I'm going to give you a story of an example that happened the other day. So I'm I'm a builder also. small builder, um, but we're building a spec house, and so I, I, we had to buy the land. We were going through permitting, and I, so I started, the, the land was kind of shaped wrong, so I had to get a planer in there. I had to plane the, the ground off, get it flat, get it ready. I had to get engineers in there to get engineering on the foundation for the, for the ground, for the septic system, getting all this stuff going in. I get the dig out for the foundation, over-excavate three feet, recompact all, all constructural fill, bring in four men, get the plumbers in there. I've got the plumbing going. I've got all these things going. And then through the process of my permitting, I find out that the fire department wants me to bring a fire hydrant in or sprinkle my house. Now, this is a small home. I don't have that type of money to be able to put into this. I don't have, it's just not there. And so now I'm looking at all of a sudden, I've got all my time and putting my money into this thing, and now I've got a project that looks like it's going to be a bad deal, and I'm already down the road on this thing a ways. So, so when I go home, do I go home to Kayla and I complain to her and I go, oh my goodness, do you, you have no idea my day-to-day. I can't believe what just happened. I mean, these guys are trying to either make us sprinkle the house, we've got to upgrade the road, we've got to bring in a fire hydrant. This is expensive stuff. I can't afford to do this. Did I come home and tell my wife that and unleash it on her and just blah and have problems? No. She didn't even know anything was going on when I got home because there was nothing going on in me because I've already made up my mind to serve God regardless of the situations I'm going to go through. But shortly after I was home, the engineer called. He started talking to me about it. We were going over this stuff. And Kayla's able to air over here when I was sitting there talking to the engineer. And then she asked, so what's going on? And I tell her what's going on. And I said, but you know what? Regardless if we lose everything, it does not matter. We will serve God. And she said, that's right. That's right. Because it doesn't matter the things of this life. If the things of this life are still got a hold of you, we're going to have an issue. We're going to have problems. We're going to have attitudes. It's not the point. The point of how it's going for me in my life in this world, if it's about how it's going for me and what I plan to do, then everything that comes to interrupt that plan is going to give me a problem. But I'm not going to be moved by anything other than what God has called me to be moved by. I'm not going to be moved by the things of this world. I'm going to be moved by God alone. No matter what the circumstance is, I'm not going to be run by other things. What is it the things that shake us? What things are we built upon in our life that have the ability to come and shake our foundation? What storms of life come and hit us and we get shaken and get knocked down? Is it business? Is it finance? Is it our relationships? Is it the cares of this world? These are the things that are coming to hit us. See, Proverbs 3 says, trust God with all your heart. 
Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he'll direct your path. I believe that. Because the scripture says it. Back here it says, do not worry. Do we worry when something happens? Because right here, if you're going to build upon the rock of Christ, he says, do not worry. We don't have an excuse to. We don't want to be the foolish man that I'm not going to come home and be that foolish man that built my house upon the sand. Because why? Because I was tending to land. God, hold on. Hold on. I know you've invited me to something great, but I've got a problem with my land over here. I, I've, excuse me for a moment. I've got issues over here. I've got to deal with my property and my, my life that I'm building upon this life. That's not what he's calling us to. Jesus says, Satan comes, but he has nothing in me. The things that are coming, do they have something in you to yank you and stick your face in the mud? Or does he come and you go, there's nothing in me. I live my, by Christ. My life is given over to Christ. There's nothing in me to yank me around anymore. My wife is not going to be yanking me around. I'm not saying that she does. I'm just saying because life in circumstance, when you're caught up in yourself and somebody isn't flowing with how you want them to, it's going to give you a problem. And he's saying, no, we've been freed from those problems. We will be moved by only God to dwell in his presence in righteousness, peace, and joy, letting that rule us because that's walking with the Spirit. Let's jump to Hebrews 10, 32 and 39. Whatever you're overcome by, you're a slave to. We shan't be, shouldn't become overcome by anything but Christ. Okay, let's look at Hebrews. Teresa, those are two excellent songs. Well, they're all excellent songs, but those last two, man, I was, I was about to be broken down inside and thinking, God, what are you doing? i got to go preach, and I'm about to be a wreck. <laughs> because those words are true. He gave himself for us so that we can be free. What kind of stuff is this that he's done? We want his presence. God, this is the, you know those, heart, those songs touched you because we care, because that's the reality of what we're seeking for. But this is how we have it. Building upon the rock in which he's called us to. Hebrews 10. Let's see, where'd I go? Let's go, I'm going to jump back to 1026 because, well, let's get some of that in place before we move on a little farther. If we deliberately go on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no further sacrifice for sin remains. Okay, that's a big statement. Just don't water it down but only a fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire that will consume all adversaries. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think one deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God, profaned the blood of the covenant, and sanctified him, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. 
Now, remember the early days that you were in the light. In those days, you endured great conflict in the face of suffering. Sometimes you are publicly exposed to ridicule and persecutions. At other times, you are partners with those who are so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property, knowing that you yourselves had a better and permanent possession. So do not throw away your confidence. It holds a great reward. You need to persevere so that after you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will take no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and persevere and preserve their souls. I want to take a look and I want to show you verse 34. You sympathize with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property, knowing that you yourselves had a better and permanent possession. Why do, when, when something looks very bad financially for me, why is that not going to touch me? Because I know, knowing that you yourselves had a be, have a better and permanent possession. Because my thing of this life is not about my possessions, not about the things that I'm going through, not about the situation. I have a permanent possession, and I'm not going to relinquish that because I'm, not, I'm one of the fools that built my house upon the sand and didn't do what he said. Let's just jump over to uh, Galatians 5.22. You don't have to jump through. I'm going to just jump through a few of these scriptures pretty quick. Um, I'm going to jump to 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh craves what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are opposed to each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Which means if you're not led by the Spirit, you are under the law. Because you sin, you die. That is the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, discord, jealousy, rage, rivalries, divisions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and all the like. I warn you as I did before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Back up for a second. Discord, jealousy, rage, rivalries, divisions, factions, envy, drunkenness. These are things that can be subtly in your lives, in our lives. But the fruit of the Spirit, where we're not under the law, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. There's no reason that we should say, well, we're just human. Not unless we're walking by the flesh. If we're walking by the Spirit, self-control is in place. Gentleness, faithfulness. But that thing, as we know, is choked out. You can't bear that fruit when it's about you. Because if it's about you, you cannot bear his fruit. That's where we recognize, what is it about? Is it about us? Those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. 
Since we live in the Spirit, let us walk in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. Those are strong statements, but they all coincide. This is, this is the gospel, and this is what the standard of the Scriptures is calling us to. That's what this all is saying. Jump to 2 Timothy 2.19. Nevertheless, God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord must depart from iniquity. So if you can picture, you've got the foundation of God. Boom, okay? We're looking at the foundation of God. And upon stamping the seal in the etched into the foundation says, God knows those who are his, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord must depart from iniquity. That's upon the foundation of God. There, you can't get around that. It doesn't say, but the blood of Jesus covers you, so it's okay, this part of the, what's written in the foundation is just covered. It says you have, it has to be gone. That's what Jesus did for us. He came and defeated sin so that we are no longer slaves to this fallen nature and sin. We must be born again of the Spirit of God to live to to something totally different. This is the good news. We can be reconciled to God through him. Not because of our ability. We all know our abilities are bad. Our flesh is weak. We don't have the strength in us to do it. Thank God for Jesus Christ. Matthew 16, 24 through 27. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will repay each one according to what he has done. Okay, so this would be a good example If anyone wants to come after me, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. If I really wanted to save my life, this is what it could look like. Saving my life would be concerned and worried about how it's going for me. The things of how it's going. I want to save my life because this life is what he's talking about. I want to save this life. The one that I just probably lost a lot of money on this deal. Thank God that worked out. But even if it didn't, it's not going to change. I will still walk the same. I'm losing. I don't pick up this life because I have something better so that I can live in the way of which he's called because if it's about me, I can never walk in his spirit because we will conflict. There's, he, it's so that the, we don't do what we want because in the natural life of how we've been brought up, We'll care about what we're doing. We all have to live in this life still. We all have to make money and eat and do all these things. It's not like I, I'm just above that. I don't just have a ton of money. We're not, that's not the point. 
We're called to this thing, to walk in this way. We've been invited to something more. And are we giving our life away so that we can have and come to the banquet because we haven't spoiled our robes of righteousness because we were upset about something? Must lose your life to find it. What will it gain if you gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? Second Peter one three. Okay. See, this is the scriptures when I'm going through and I'm lost and I'm I'm halfway through church going back to do drugs in the church. I mean, you think about that, that doesn't sound real good, you know. But I was in a state that I figured, it's not like God doesn't know I have problems. It's not like he doesn't know that I'm going to go right out the church and just do drugs all the time. So if I'm sitting here in church, I don't think he's going to be mad because we're the body of Christ. We are the church. This building isn't. We're the church, not a building. Now, of course, we respect God, but I wasn't in that place. I needed help. I needed something strong to rip me out so that I had a path that was the right path and not just things and thoughts. Because in 2 Peter 1, he says, 1-3, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. Through these, he has given us the precious and magnificent promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature now that you have escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities and continue to grow in them, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever lacks these traits is nearsighted to the point of blindness, having forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, brothers, strive to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a lavish reception into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Strive to make your calling and election sure. It means our election and calling isn't secured. We must walk this out with fear and trembling. We might be the man who heard and is not doing and we're the fool who built his house on the sand. We must strive to make our calling and election sure. And then we will receive a lavish reception into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. I like how Steve always talks about, we call him Lord, but is he Lord? Is he Lord of our life in all our areas? Or we just have speech that we have lingo, Christian lingo, He's our Lord, but he's not my Lord in this area, this area, this area, this area, this area. He has to be Lord of all. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, everything that you are. 
It's everything. And it's great. This might sound heavy, might sound serious, but this is everything that is inside of me because it's exploding because it's what saved me from everything that was perverse and wrong in this world. It's the gift that he's given us, a clear conscience towards God so that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Being restored to the creator of all things. He's made us children of God. And we want to throw that away for a little bit of blow or a little bit of something. We don't want to throw away the things of God for our selfish reasons, for our mistakes of what we want to hold on to of our nature, of something that we might enjoy because sin isn't joyful. It's fleeting joy, though. Moses left the fleeting joys of sin to be, take the persecutions of righteousness. Second Proverbs, or there is no second Proverbs. <laughs> Proverbs 2. Did I have on your guys' list second Proverbs? <laughs> if you find it, let me know. I, I don't know if that's supposed to be in there. <laughs> okay. So, my son, if you accept my words and hide my commandments within you, if you incline your ear to wisdom, and direct your heart to understanding. If you truly call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding, if you seek it like silver and search it out like hidden treasure, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. So in just in Second Peter, we just talked about we receive everything for life and godliness through the knowledge of him. And here he's telling you how to get the knowledge of God because when you start seeking it and you accept my words, you hide my commandments within you. You incline your ear to wisdom. Direct your heart to understanding. This is all. You're giving your all to understand and hear this. And then what does he say? Then you will discern the fear of the Lord. Because without the fear of the Lord, your understanding of God is not going to be very well understood. Jesus delighted in the fear of the Lord. It's one of the seven spirits of God. It's wonderful. Okay. Psalms 50. I don't think I gave you guys this one. God says to the wicked... What right do you have to recite my statutes or take my covenants on your lips? Seeing you hate my instruction and cast my words behind you. Guys, how many people in the world, when you're going out that don't believe in God or whatever in the world, are trying to recite his covenants? <laughs> they don't. The world isn't trying to recite his covenants and commands. It's the church. It's the ones that believe in him that he's talking to. He's talking to the ones that believe in him and he's saying, you're wicked for not caring about my words and you're tossing my instructions behind you. How dare you quote my covenants and statutes? We don't want that. That is not what we want. That's what we want to get away from. God calls a heart of unbelief wicked. 
There's no entitled Christianity. In Luke 21, it says, Watch out. Watch also at every season, praying you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. The only way we can stand before the Son of Man when that day is because we've bowed everything in this life now. If we're not bowed in every way in this life now, we're not going to stand before him. We're going to be bowing before him. And he's coming. We, we give him glory because it's not us that it is. We can only stand because it's his life in us, glorifying him. That's bringing glory to him. But if there's stuff in us that needs to bow still, we're going to have problems. And in that day of judgment, it's not going to be looking good. It's going to be rough. And I don't want that. I don't want that for anybody. That's why I say these things. That's why I talk this way, because it set me free. And I don't want these things to be overlooked and nobody understand what they're going to be coming to in that day, because he says he will judge his people. We're responsible for everything that's done in this body. What I'm going to say now again might bother people, it might not. The greatest, not this part, but the greatest scripture, the greatest command is love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, everything that you are, and the second like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And that comes from loving God. So does our life reflect that? Does our life reflect we love God with everything we are? Or does our TV show get in the way? Does our sports team, does our work, does our family, where do we spend our time and effort and our thoughts? Where do our thoughts go? If we're done out of church, what are we doing with them? Boom, they're jumping over to something. What's the treasure of your heart? He wants relationship with us. There's nothing more that can ever feed you in this life other than him. The world is a cheap knockoff and you're always going to be struggling, having problems with it. It's only him that we've been created for. We've been created for fellowship with God. We don't want to sell short to other things that aren't what he's done, he's paid for. He's paid a heavy price. He's paid the penalty that we owed God so that we could be restored back to him because eternal life is to know God and if you know him you obey him some of these things are hard but love says the hard stuff even if it makes people uncomfortable because I care because it's what's helped me and I know it'll help everybody else that if they're struggling in any part of their life, there's a way out of it, and it's through Christ. Our faith is based on a clear conscience with God, and only the, that only happens through the blood of Jesus. If we violate that clear conscience, we shipwreck our faith. How many people violate their conscience and don't feel shipwrecked? doesn't say that you necessarily always feel shipwrecked. Because the deceitfulness of sin is a hardened heart. 
Don't be one that's being turned over to his evil desires. We think of these scriptures as it's that guy. It's the worldly guy. It's the guy that doesn't care. No, it's the guy, it's us. It, it's anyone who doesn't walk in the ways of what he's called. We built our hand, house upon the sand, and we're not judging it correctly to see that it's shaking, it's shifting, and it's falling around, and then we don't pay attention that we're in trouble. But the warnings in here are very clear. We just water them down because of our own experiences. So let me give you an example. This isn't scriptural, but people might not like it. I don't know. Do I think smoking will send you to hell? No, I don't think smoking will send you to hell. I think not being led by the Spirit will send you to hell. I think John 8, where it says, a slave does not reside in the house of ever. Slave of sin, slave of anything but God. Bond servants of Christ. I think not being led by the Spirit, not being slaves of God, you're in trouble. Is it smoking per se, or this, or that little thing, or whatever it may be in somebody's life? Is that thing sending you to hell? No, it's you not being led by the Spirit. It's you not being crucified to your passions and desires. Might think, lighten up a little bit, man. I mean, we all struggle, we're all having hard times. But if we didn't have things in our life that were wrong, we wouldn't be thinking that. If we thought and looked like Christ did and what he said, we wouldn't think that. We wouldn't make excuses for the things that are contradictory to Scripture. Christ died and rose again to free us from sin. If we think that we're going to be free from sin when we die, then death is your Savior and Christ is what allows sin. He's not. He's our Savior. Death is not going to save you from anything. Death is called an enemy of God's. It's the last enemy to be put down. Death has nothing to do that's going to save you in any way. We put off the body, this body, this tent. But if we're controlled by this tent, we got problems because Christ is our Savior in all things. So don't let you think that, that when we die, boy, it's going to be good. No, it's not. It's good now because of what he's done. He said, here, here's the kingdom of God. We've received the kingdom of God in us. Why is it going to be better later? Yes, there's not going to be influence of sin. There's not going to be the, the, the tears and sorrow of the things that we experience in this life. But if, if the kingdom of God is in us, then why do we need to die to be free from something? We don't. That's the nice thing. We can be free now of everything. Everything. Because we can be children of God. Death isn't our Savior. Jesus is. That's good news. We don't have to drag along the ball and chain of our old life and self and the problems of the natures of man, of how we've used to function and learned and lived. That's gone. It's free. Out of your heart will flow. See, I don't, I'm not coming up here and I'm not pouring myself out to you guys. It's an abundance within me because it's just there. It's, what, it's, it's, it's just the Spirit of God that set us free. 
It's what we get to experience through Christ. It's the coming age of seeing something and knowing. We don't have a clue what we know. We don't even understand what we have coming in front of us. It's going to be wonderful. If we build upon the rock. If we see this stuff clearly and don't water it down because when we water down the scriptures, we're turning down the light. The light is a, the word of God is a lamp unto our feet. And it guides the way, the narrow, straight way. And when we turn this lamp down, broad becomes the way. And many are those that walk in it. It leads to destruction. Don't let anything bypass because of what we experienced. It's Christ that we follow, and he says, now follow me. If we couldn't follow Christ, he'd say, I mean, think about it. Follow me, but then look at these guys. They think they can. They think they can actually follow me in this. Like, I can't believe they'd actually think that. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, follow me, because he's actually now said, here, here's the spirit. Now do as I do. Come on. But you must deny yourself. You can't be there. Walk with me. That's wonderful. We don't have to be bound to this world in life anymore. We have freedom in Christ. We can build upon the foundation of God. No more shifting sand. No more storms of this world that are going to come and take me out. Nothing is going to take me. You guys can't offend me. I'm not going to be offended by you guys. You guys aren't going to be able to do something that's going to offend me. It's not going to happen. My word is like a fire. The word of God is a fire. And it's going to burn. But if you're burning, it feels good. If we're lukewarm, it might burn. Let's not be lukewarm. Let's let it burn us and light us on fire. Hot or cold, for me or against me. There's no middle ground. Lukewarm, he spews out of his mouth. He's prepared the way. He's made the way. We are no longer overcome by the circumstances of this life. Jesus is our victor. He who writes his way, I will show the salvation of the Lord. Psalms 50. This is the fellowship of the saints. This understanding, walking in Christ, this is the fellowship of the saints. We're not supposed to relate to each other by the flesh anymore, but only by the spirit. Because the flesh, the nature that we, we tend to relate to each other by, is to be gone. It's not even supposed to be in our lives. We're not supposed to recognize and think towards each other as, well, you know how it is. I mean, shh. The guy cuts me off over here. I'm just, oh, I'm holding everything back from cussing him out. Where is that? That's nowhere in here. That, that, that thought and that ability, that life, he's going, that's the life you must deny. If you're going to follow me, you have to deny that life. That life's got to be dead. 
And it's wonderful because when it is, when we see this clearly, our light, as our eyes are clear, we're flooded with light. But if we have something that's wrong, it's going to cast a shadow, and then that light is going to be darkness in us. Let every part of the word be a mirror and renew and change the way you think. Be renewed to what he says. Let us be the wise ones that built our house upon the foundation of Christ because we heard what he said and we did them. Don't make an excuse in one area not to look exactly like Christ. That is wonderful. That is what saved my life. And it's good news. It's wonderful news. The fear of the Lord is like marrow unto the bones. It's life. When you understand what it is, when you see it clearly, there's nothing better. Who wants to have problems in this life because of any reason? Who, who wants to be like, oh, I know you've all experienced it, problems, frustrations, and you're over, oh, my goodness, and you're trying not to be bothered. You're gritting your teeth. Who, who enjoys that? Nobody. That's not fun. That's not enjoyable. And he's made a way out of it. We don't have to grit our teeth anymore. We can be free and actually love the person in spite of what's going on. It's awesome. That's the good news that we have through Christ. There's no flesh that can glory in that because it's not by our ability that we can do anything good. Our ability has nothing to do with it. It's only Christ and being given over to him. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, everything that you are. You love him. Okay, thanks guys. I know that that's a lot, probably. But what else is there? What else is there? I don't want anything less than, than the true word of God. He came to set the captives free. I was a captive, and now I'm free. Let's keep walking this thing. Let's keep growing, stirring each other in love and good works having fellowship with one another. Okay, let's pray. Thank you, God, for your word and your spirit and the truth of what you call us to. There's nothing in man that can glory in this situation. Everything of man and the fall of it has passed away and it's gone. You've made the way back to you. We thank you that you love us and that you're a good God you care about us, and you're here speaking to us, I just ask for help for everybody to let this word sink deep into their spirit, let it plant, let it help grow and produce fruit to you for your glory, God, that we are children of God, so that you are glorified in that day, your sons lived for you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I don't